Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker worker of yours. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. This is Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. And now, your host, Matthew Kanata, joined by co-hosts Josh Houts and Aaron Sutton. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Finsider Radio. This is Matt Kanata. I'm joined by Josh Houts and Aaron Sutton. And we are here recapping the Miami Dolphins' wild and crazy free agency period. Dolphins, of course, not making really any moves, which is what I believe to be the smart thing for once. It seems like the Dolphins are finally doing what we've all wanted them to do for many, many years. Things that we they are doing that we have not seen since the Bill Parcells era when he took over the Miami Dolphins almost a decade ago. Over a decade ago, I should say. It is a full loaded teardown with this Miami Dolphins organization. They are making the right moves. They are not panicking. They are not overpaying. They are not being used for leverage. It is a new day in Davie. And I believe the Miami Dolphins are finally on the right track for long-term success, obviously, they need to make the right moves moving forward. But they are setting themselves up very nicely for the future. When you look at the free agent signings, again, there really was none. You had the uh, trade of Ryan Tannehill, which we'll obviously touch on in just a little bit. They're trying to move a few players right now. They're trying to move Robert Quinn. And we're going to talk about how they're doing it in terms of Paying other teams basically for draft picks. They paid part of Ryan Tannehill's salary and shipped him off to the Titans for a 2024th round pick. They paid Robert Quinn's $1 million bonus in an effort to help make him more appealing. And they're willing to pay even more to have a team give them a draft pick in return in 2020. So we're going to talk about that and this new strategy that we're seeing and the merits of it, and whether or not there is a downside. Because 
On Monday afternoon, Joe Banner, former general manager in the NFL and former executive, came at me. He had put up a tweet about how he thought it was foolish what the Dolphins were doing. And uh, I responded and basically said that it's actually a brilliant idea. It's Stephen Ross's money. There's really no impact on the cap at all for uh, future years after this year. And then he quote tweeted me and he said, it's it's a bad idea. Uh, it's not a bad idea, Joe. It's it's actually a really great idea. And again, we're going to talk about that. But I'm going to bring in Houts. I'm going to bring in Sutton. You two, what are your thoughts on the early stages of free agency? Obviously, Miami not making any moves. Sitting tight, watching everyone else go crazy. They're losing players, but they are gaining compensatory picks in the 2020 draft. What do you guys say? You know what? We, we shouldn't expect to feel comfortable through all this. So obviously there's going to be some mixed feelings as we go through all of this. Wish the best to all the players who have left the Miami Dolphins to go play for other teams. But Matthew, you said it, and I'm willing to explore this tonight. This idea of basically money for draft picks for kind of lack of a better word, kind of hoarding ourselves out. But hey, I mean, Florida doesn't, isn't it like the sales tax thing? They don't have sales tax down there. So like there's, there's got to be some type of like money related brilliance here that hasn't been explored yet. And I think the Browns were one of the first people to do it with ironically enough, Brock Osweiler a few years ago when then they like, they, they took his contract basically uh, but got a trade pick, uh, you know, trade value in return. So I think it's just a different way of exploring that type of scenario where we're looking to, you know, if it costs a few extra dollars to get a draft pick and that's the difference in moving the needle in a negotiation, why not open it up? Yeah, and I think you touched on it. Why haven't the Dolphins done this before? Why haven't they used this Chris Greer method? You know, he's going out there and they're, they're bringing in these free agents. They brought in a Trey Flowers. They brought him into it. You know, they did an interview with him. They were probably interested in him. They chose to stand pat and not not go by his price tag. Same thing with Jawan James. Great player, but the Dolphins got outbid, and they let him walk. I mean, this is something different that you're seeing from the Miami Dolphins. Probably the same thing with Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, they have this price tag for these players, and they're sticking to it. And you just wonder why the Dolphins haven't done it in the past. Uh you guys both have touched on it. We're going to talk about it on the show, but what they're doing, you know, they moved Tannehill. Yes, Stephen Ross opened up his checkbook and helped make that trade go through. But just overall, you just got to feel a breath of fresh air with the way this organization's being run. You know, not a lot of leaks are coming out. And just all the signings, you know, and Eric Rowe, he's a low-risk, high-reward type player. You got a one-year deal. You know, if he goes out there and balls out, this is a guy who is very familiar with his coaching staff. You know, he goes out there and balls out. Now you got a corner that you can sign next season. You, you know, you bring in these – different assets, a Clive Walford. We know what he is. I mean, he, he isn't a game-changing tight end, but he is a tight end that I'm sure he has a meaning in this offense. And the same thing with Dwayne Allen. So they're bringing in all these low-risk, high-reward players, and they're not overpaying for people. And I think that's the biggest thing. Personally, I'm trying to hold back my excitement because we all know what the tank and everyone wants to talk about tanking. We all know what it is, but some of the moves the Dolphins have made has been very smart, and you got to like the way Chris Greer is starting to do things. There have been reports that, not reports, there have been rumblings uh, from what I've heard that, you know, Chris Greer wanted to run, always run a tight ship, but it was Mike Tannenbaum who had control of the money. And he just obviously went crazy with everything. And Adam Gase wanted to win. So it was kind of Tannenbaum and Gase. Not that they got along, but 
they both had the same philosophy in terms of spending, 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 trying to get their guys in here. We just saw how well that worked out, meaning it didn't work out. Uh, so, yes, I think a lot of fans are happy with this. It's going to be a rough season. The Dolphins, again, not making really any moves for free agency. They released Andre Branch and Ted Larson a few days before free agency was set to begin. They released Danny Amendola. They signed Dwayne Allen. And I do want to touch on Dwayne Allen a quick second in, in just a bit. They uh, re-signed Devontae Parker. They uh, nego- renegotiated his contract, brought the cap number way down, brought his number way down. And uh, it's a very good low-risk, high-reward deal. They released Josh Sitton. How you just mentioned, they signed Eric Rowe. They also signed Clyde Walford, tight end. Then they traded uh, Ryan Tannehill in a 2019 sixth-round pick to the Titans for a 2019 seventh-round pick and a 2024th-round pick. And then on Monday, they signed guard center uh, Chris Reed, who's a developmental piece and who could provide some depth on the offensive line there. Real quick about Dwayne Allen House, I know you tweeted something out about Dwayne Allen. You put up a video clip of him blocking Khalil Mack. What can you say about him? Yeah, well, let's just make one thing very clear. Khalil Mack was only playing on one leg. Uh, it was just kind of a little bit of a joke. But, I mean, I think Dwayne Allen fits a piece that this team needs, a key role in this Chad O'Shea offense. What we saw with New England was the multiple tight end sets. You need a guy like Dwayne Allen who – I think he had only 14 catches or maybe it was 13 over the last two years. But what does that matter when the guy can go out there and block and let maybe Mike Jasicki, the guy that runs like he's in quicksand, maybe he'll go out there and make some plays this year. So you like that they're bringing in all these different tight ends. I expect big sets out of them, and hopefully that means a lot more running of the football. So, and Devontae Park, your thoughts on that signing? I mean, it was interesting. It was, I think, a smart move from a team perspective to get his cap number down and was seemingly able to get him to buy into that. He seems to be in a let's prove myself sort of mentality. At least that's what he's uh, presented publicly. We never know exactly what's going on with Devontae, but at least uh, we have him at a cheaper number and we have a perimeter receiver who's going to have the size speed type of requirement. So we want whether or not it all pans out from a health related standpoint. Well, you know, that, that remains to be seen. Dolphins also lost cam wake in free agency. He was an unrestricted free agent. He said it to the Titans actually signed a three-year deal and got, I think 11 million guaranteed or something around their house at 37 years old. The guy is an ageist wonder. Can he continue to make an impact in Tennessee? I mean, you can never count Cameron Wake out. He's one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. Uh, what he's going to bring to that locker room as far as leadership, you know, going in there day in and day out, first man in, last one out. I'm sure he's a monster in the weight room. I mean, this is things that these young players can, you know, you see a guy, what he can do in that locker room. And same thing with Frank Gore when he came in here. He helped the running backs. Cameron Wake's been in that locker room for how many years? I mean, he was a pivotal piece to the Miami Dolphins over the last 10 plus years. I mean, what he's done here is is just awesome. And you just hope to see that, you know, hopefully can carry on his legacy in Tennessee. And before we jump into the cap conversation and money conversation, son, your thoughts with Ryan Tannehill being shipped off to the Titans, the end of the Ryan Tannehill era in Miami. I think the, the weird thing existentially, you know, just with having Ryan who's been on our team for so long and Cam Wake who's been on our team for so long. And it's just like, 
you see this news and there's just like, they're like Kaiser Soze, poof, they're gone. And I, I don't even know what Dolphins Twitter is going to do with itself without having Ryan Tannehill to fight about. And, it, and it's still, I put up a gif about thinking that this conversation about Ryan Tannehill might be over. And trust me, it's going to, it's going to rage on for another couple of years. He's just that type of player, but wish the best for him. And obviously uh, said all the right things while he was here, did all the right things, said all the right things as he exited uh, on his way to Tennessee and uh, kudos to the Dolphins organization being able to get some some draft capital and return. I, I think when we looked at that QB market after some of those guys had signed, we were like, I don't know if there's any market for Ryan. And as a result, how are we going to get any any trade value for him? So the fact that we were able to explore that and uh, certainly looks like 2020 uh, because of that move. you know, seeing the draft capital kind of focused on the 2020 aspect of it. I thought that was interesting because maybe we are really looking at 2020 as being a really big swing year uh, for the Dolphins organization. So the part of the reason why the Dolphins were able to move Ryan Tannehill is because they paid part of his guaranteed salary for the 2019 season and they're trying to do the same thing with Robert Quinn and get a better draft pick in return. So they got the 2020 fourth round pick, and it's no secret the Dolphins are really gearing up for 2020 and beyond there. And looking at this year is just kind of a tear down and rebuild type of year. But I wanted you know touch on that because we saw we saw it kind of happen a few years ago when the Texans uh, traded Brock Osweiler to the Cleveland Browns. It was basically a salary dump. And we've never really seen it, though, anywhere else. And the Dolphins are really approaching this. I think it's brilliant. Um, People say, well, it's going to count against the cap this year because they're paying part of his salary. Yes, it's going to. But let's be honest, folks. You paid about $5 million of Ryan Tannehill's salary. You're probably going to pay about $5, $6 million of Robert Quinn's salary. That's $11 million. This year's cap is $189 million. So when you really break it down, that's probably I'm not I'm not excellent in math here. Son, help me out. How tell me out? But I don't even think that's one percent of your total cap. If it is, it's just at one percent. Um, it's it's very, very little when you look at the entire picture. And I don't think the Dolphins are going to get to the point that it's so bad where they're sitting there with only $10 million of cap space left to go. And going into 2020, they're scheduled to have over $120 million as it stands right now. And let's face it, they're probably going to be moving on from Rashad Jones either during this year's draft or after this year's season because his cap number becomes much more manageable in 2020. And... It's I, I I don't I haven't seen anyone really say it's a bad idea, with the exception of Joe Banner when he called me out on Monday morning. <laughs> and as someone who thinks that salary cap chaos, for lack of a better expression, is kind of a fan made sort of uh, thing to get worried about, you're talking about pennies on the dollar again, 
And if, again, if it's able to swing draft capital and, you know, having compensatory picks being able to be traded now, and even with Ryan Fitzpatrick coming into the fold, we're either losing, you know, depending on the playing time, maybe the fifth rounder or the seventh rounder, again, depending on snaps. But the fact that those are able to be traded now and we're loading up in 2020, and it looks like we're exploring ways to even uh, enhance that. I think you have to look into these things and I just don't think we've had our backs against, I, I know it's weird to say, but it's like we haven't had our backs against the wall in this sort of way before we've just tried to like spend our way out of it. And now we're taking a completely different approach to this. So I think again, it's going to ruffle some feathers with fans and it's going to, we're, we're going to feel confused at times and we're going to feel like they aren't doing what they should be doing at times, but I promise you that it's going to be based in a plan and a logic and whether that works out or not remains to be seen, but it's going to be, there's going to be one hell of a plan in place. Yeah. And after they work their way out of all this craziness, you know, there's probably going to be a movie similar to Moneyball about the Miami Dolphins and, you know, the 20, 2022 Super Bowl champion Miami Dolphins and how they, you know, they constructed this crazy team with you know these different methods of Chris Greer ways but let's be honest the the cap is a huge misconception a lot of people like to go out there and you know the sky is falling type stuff heading into this offseason everyone was complaining about how little money the Miami Dolphins have and yes lots of teams went out there and spent but I think they're in top five right now in cap space I could be wrong but I think a lot more money is going to come off the books and like Kanata say you know Rashad Jones is probably gone uh, TJ McDonald, who knows what he's going to do? Kiko Alonzo. I mean, there's these players you could just list off all day long that, you know, maybe there's Robert Saturday. Quinn. Robert Quinn, yeah. He, I mean, he's likely gone any day now, right? I mean, uh, they're doing the right thing. They're going out there and they're finding these ways. Or Ryan Tannehill, no one ever thought for one second Ryan Tannehill was going to net a hot dog at a gas station. And you know what? Somehow, some way, Chris Greer turned that thing into a fourth round pick. I mean, that's pretty incredible. Like you guys said, they're loading up for 2020. Uh, it's anyone's guess as to what quarterback they're looking at. You know, everyone keeps saying Tua, but you just there's too much smoke there. I know we're going to talk about it 100 times, but whoever their quarterback is, they are loading up with a crap ton of wep- uh, crap ton of draft picks. They're going to find a way to get that guy come hell or high water. And I think it it helps kind of soften what happens to the Dolphins depending on how many wins we get next year being able to accumulate draft capital doesn't make it such a pressurized situation to lose. So I'm not suggesting that we're tanking or anything like that. What I'm suggesting is that having this increased pool of picks makes it okay if we quote unquote accidentally win six games next year. And the Dolphins might win six games because they signed Ryan Fitzpatrick to be their quarterback this year, their bridge quarterback, their tank quarterback, whatever you want to call it. But it's going to be fun to watch Fitzpatrick. We know he's a gunslinger. We know he doesn't care really what goes on on the field. He likes to go out and have fun. It's a two-year contract worth about $11 million with incentives and such. Fitzpatrick, the beard, the swag that he brings to the field, you got to believe that Albert Wilson and Kenny Stills are feeling some type of way right now because of their speed and because of Fitzpatrick's ability to throw the ball deep. Not always the most accurate guy out there when throwing the deep ball, but man, when he hits, 
the sky is the limit when he is on fire. So there is one thing for sure. You never know what Fitzpatrick you're going to get when he steps on the field on Sunday, but you do know it's going to be one hell of a ride when he takes that field. I think we're going to see shades of Fitzpatrick's year this year with the Buccaneers when he was on fire. And we're going to see shades of him when he was with the Jets or with the Texans or with the Titans or with the Bills or with the Bengals or with the uh, Rams when they were in St. Louis. The dude has been in the league for 13 years. That is crazy. 13 years. Uh, he's been a starter in a few spots. The best record that he's ever had, and this is insane, is 10-6 and six with the Jets in 2015. That's when he started all 16 games and uh, led them to the playoffs. And then everyone was like, okay, maybe he finally found this groove. Next year with the Jets, uh, 3-8. <laughs> and eight. Then went to the Buccaneers, uh, played in six games. Well, as a starter, went two and one last year as a starter. He went two and five, started seven games, but he had a really great tier and all of the Buccaneers weren't winning. He was lighting the world on fire. I want a PFF's highest rated quarterbacks, I believe in a top 10 last year. Um, it would be so Dolphins, though, right? If Fitzpatrick all of a sudden this year in 2019 at 37 years old or 36 years old, finally finds his groove and uh, pulls a um, Rich Gannon almost and and just finds a way to keep winning. That would be the Dolphins' luck. Uh, <laughs> but it's going gonna, it's gonna to be fun. But, I mean, you look at his record as a starter, 4-7-1, 4 4-9, 6-10, 3-6. Like I said, 10-6 with the Jets. Anywhere else, the highest he's gotten is six wins. And if the Dolphins are, in fact, going all in on Tua – and like you alluded to, Sutton, I don't think they are. I would watch for uh, Justin Herbert, um, or I would watch for Dwayne Haskins or Kyler Murray in this year's draft. I think the Dolphins have something else planned up their sleeve. But if, in fact, they do want to tank this year, I think they have their right quarterback. Uh, no matter how much he slings the ball, Fitzpatrick eventually turns into Fitzpatrick, and I don't think the Dolphins are going to win a lot of games regardless of whether or not he's behind center. Uh, your thoughts, Houts and Sutton, on this signing by the Dolphins? I love it. I mean, you see what type of quarterback he can be. We see the good, the bad, and the ugly with him. I think he had three 400-yard games last year uh, in Tampa. He is a gunslinger, and he just YOLOs the football, just throws up bombs. And the biggest thing, I mean, you named off the uh, the Albert Wilsons, the King Grants, and what he might mean to them. One man that's very excited is Devontae Parker, and earlier today he tweeted out, congratulations, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and welcome to Miami. Looking forward to creating some magic together. It's time to get into the lab and go to work. Then he hashtagged it, new beginnings. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm seeing a completely different Devontae Parker. You don't know if this is something the organization kind of said, or you know, maybe there was a coach that kind of rubbed him the wrong way. Devontae Parker seems a lot more outgoing lately. But it's going to be interesting to see how him and Ryan Fitzpatrick do get that magic together because, you know, Devontae Parker's the biggest receiver on the team. He's the guy who can go up there and high point the football. Ryan Fitzpatrick loves to be a gunslinger, loves to have that mentality that, you know what, why the hell not? I'm just going to throw this up and someone's going to come down with it. I don't know how it affects the Dolphins' chances this year. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick is Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, he's going to have the good, <laughs> but there's going to be far more bad, and this team's going to win a lot less games than they win. I think the biggest thing to me, I wanted Blake Bortles here in Miami. I thought he'd be the the better get, but at the end of the day, when you look at it, Ryan Fitzpatrick is a veteran. He's been in the league for 15 years. I mean, what he's done – uh, you know, in different locker rooms, he is a veteran presence. And who better than for some rookie to learn after than Ryan Fitzpatrick? I think the Dolphins draft a guy in the mid-rounds this year, and then they go after one of them high-prized uh, 
quarterbacks next season. But Ryan Fitzpatrick, it's going to be fun because the beard, the glasses, looks like a it looks like straight out of Narcos. I mean, it's going to be fun, and I'm I'm here for it. Fitz magic on offense, it's magic on defense. <laughs> yeah, I love the mood. I, I love the move. I, you know, I will. I will drink some beer and watch Ryan Fitzpatrick play quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. I just want to take a step back and just appreciate this dude's career for a second. He's assuming he plays, you know, he doesn't have a Ryan Tannehill tear his ACL in training camp and not play at all. He'll, he will have played for 25% of the NFL. So he's like, Matthew, I know you don't watch TV other than the NFL and America's got talent, but there's this, basketball player and his name's Jamal Crawford and Ryan Fitzpatrick (laughs) is the Jamal Crawford of the NFL. He's played for everybody. And if any, if my experience at the combine informed me of anything is that everybody knows everybody. And if you are the type of player who can be accepted, welcomed and initiated and a big part of every locker room that you're in, you are, you're a pretty good dude and you're, you, you kind of get it. And Ryan yep. Fitzpatrick just gets it. And I think having Dan Orlovsky on the show really opened my eyes to what a backup quarterback is expected to do on a team. And I, I know Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be the starting quarterback, presumably, of this team, unless something crazy happens in the draft this year. But having that type of guy, whether it is to um, just kind of instill belief and the process as it goes forward because he has so many connections with football players or it's because they want him to start, but they also want to keep him for that second year to really be a nice segue for the rookie quarterback that they may invest in in 2020. Either way, Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think is a, just a classy selection as you know, this organization, this pendulum is up, and it's getting ready to swing down, hopefully, but it's like kind of stuck up at the top right now. And Ryan Fitzpatrick is one of those guys that is a good person to have in the locker room, hoping to get that pendulum to swing back down. And I think uh, I, I think it was a good move for us. Obviously, you know, the actual quarterback play is going to be inconsistent as hell. But because there's going to be those ups and downs throughout the season, I think that it still has the potential to be fun, even though we might lose more games than we're used to. There's a lot of questions about the future of this team at quarterback. I kind of mentioned it before we talked about Fitzpatrick, but I'm going to throw this to you before we wrap up the show here. Gun to your head. Who are the Dolphins picking for their quarterback? Is it Kyler Murray, Dwayne Haskins, Drew Locke? Is it Justin Herbert, Tua, Tonga Vileo, however you say his last name? Gun to your head. Is there any of those guys? Son, we'll start with you. Yes. Which one? Man, that sucks. Um, I'm going to go Herbert. Yeah, and if you're going Herbert, I mean, that was kind of where I was leaning. I know that there were lots of smoke last season on the Dolphins' interest in him, but if the Dolphins come away with any of those guys, like you said, Sutton, that would be quite the haul. Me, I'm going to go with a little bit of an X factor. Let's just go. Tyree Jackson. Let's just say the Dolphins, you know, they they got Ryan Fitzpatrick to groom a young player this year and then they're gonna go all in next year. Well, I'll I'll go with I'll go with uh Tyree Jackson. I personally think they're gonna get their quarterback in this year's draft. I think they're putting out a masterful smoke screen. 
and I think they're going to make their move. I'm not sure if it's going to be in the first round. If Dwayne Haskins falls to them, I think uh, they will make the move for him. But also, I do believe if Kyler Murray starts to fall a little bit, they will try to make a move for him as well. It's going to be an interesting five weeks until the NFL draft. Don't expect to hear a lot because as you both alluded to at the top of the show, the leaks are not coming out this year. Brian Flores, Chris Greer, Marvin Allen, Reggie McKenzie are running a very tight ship. And while it hurts us because we can't provide you with the inside information because we're not getting as much, still getting a little bit, but not as much. As fans, as someone who wants to have success in this organization, it's great for the way they're doing things. Any last thoughts? How's your sign? I want to close on Jawan James, and this wasn't. Oh yes, you know what? I forgot about to uh, to mention this part because I know there's some juicy stuff on him. Okay, so my brother-in-law, his uncle was the offensive line coach at Tennessee with Jawan James when he was in school, and I happened to be at my brother-in-law's bachelor party when we were had his uncle on speakerphone and it wasn't that far removed from when we drafted Jawan James and basically my brother-in-law's uncle was for I, I, I and I'll admit I don't remember what he said verbatim but the impression that I got was he was a little surprised that Jawan James was a first round pick and when you kind of reflect back on the situation we were at and needing a tackle, that was, you know, Jawan James had played right tackle his whole career at Tennessee, and that's exactly what we needed. And we were a little bit pigeonholed. So for people, and I know the offensive line, for God's sake, I would love to start, I'd love to stop talking about it just like anybody else. But from a economical perspective and a just kind of building a long-term consistent winner perspective, I don't think anybody should be that distraught about losing Juwan James. I know it's another hole that we need to fill on the team, but I think this was another decision that the organization got right. For me, there's no way the Dolphins could have matched that price tag. I mean, the Dolphins did the right thing. You said Jawan James, he's a good player, but that's about where it ends. You kind of know what he is. Top paid right tackle in all of football. No thanks. So we will see how this all shakes out moving forward. And also in uh, the latest edition of the Monday Morning Quarterback, last week they had said something with sources about supposedly saying that they were waiting to see which team – scooped up Juwan James because they had to game plan to hide James's weaknesses and they had to do everything they could and spent so much energy to assign help to him throughout the games. And we saw it too. We saw uh, mental lapses. We saw physical lapses. We saw his really inability to get out in space and lay down the blocks. It just opens another hole on a line. But like you said, Sutton, I don't think Dolphins fans should freak out too much. I think you could find a serviceable right tackle pretty, not pretty easily, but you could find someone who's going to get the job done um, just as good as Juwan, if not better. 
Uh, the Dolphins have tons of holes. Again, that's why I said it's going to be interesting, and it's going to be really, really interesting to see what happens if a quarterback or two starts to fall towards that number 13 pick, if the Dolphins are going to make the move this year, or if they'll stay put and likely trade down to accumulate more picks. Um, it's, it's too bad in a way. It's Before we just finish here, it, it's just too bad because we've said it on this show, and I've, I had the information, and I said this during the draft and after the draft last year, the Dolphins and the Saints had a deal lined up before the draft. Dolphins were going to trade back to the end of the first round. They were going to get the Saints' first-round pick this year. Had that happened, the Dolphins would have had two first-round picks this year, and that would have been plenty of ammo to go up and get either Kyler Murray if he falls past number one or Dwayne Haskins if he starts to fall. Uh, yes, the Dolphins would have not gotten Minka Fitzpatrick, uh, who knows who they would have gotten, but sometimes you just sit there and think and you wonder what if. So the Dolphins had that trade lined up last year. I'm sure they'll have trades lined up this year. The draft is a beautiful thing. We'll have you posted with all the latest information that we're hearing, hopefully bringing on some star-studded guests in the next few weeks. As we head towards the draft and as we continue to see how the Dolphins' plan unfolds. That's going to do it for us here on this episode of Finsider Radio. For Aaron Sutton and Joshua Houts, I am Matt Kanata. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you next time. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami.